Josie, what's going on, man? It's Gary from Motorspit. Just want to say thanks for favouriting my station. I appreciate that star, buddy. And I hope you're enjoying content brought to you from the fast lane of Anchor. I heard you like to argue about pretty much everything. Me too, so we got one thing in common. If you ever fancy an argument, hit me up. I'd be delighted to partake. Take care. Have a great weekend. Hey, Hustler, this is Z. Carl Sagan is a family friend of ours and uh, something you might not know about um, about Carl, although if you've read his books, you would know this. Carl Sagan didn't just smoke pot. He also felt that marijuana was responsible for the development of civilization. In his book, he would talk about how primitive peoples would get together and huddle together in the bush while waiting for game while they were hunting. And to lull the time away, they would uh, smoke the marijuana and do art. All right, like your show, like the subject matter. Integrity Radio. Fragility is not sensitivity. Don't confuse your fragility for sensitivity. Don't try to tell people that you're sensitive when you're actually fragile. Being emotionally and physically sensitive is not the same as being emotionally and physically fragile. In fact, literally, the terms seem to be completely unrelated. Sensitivity implies the senses, an activation of the senses, whereas fragility implies a lack of structure a weakness, not a strength. We not only have to develop our sensitivity, but we also have to acknowledge our fragilities. Integrity Radio. Be better than popular. problem. Is my cock big enough? Is my brain small enough for you to make me a star? Give me a toot, I'll sell you my soul. Pull my strings and I'll go far. Yeah.
Is my cock big enough? Is my brain small enough for you to make me a star? Everybody sing it one time. Is my cock big enough? Is my brain small enough for you to make me a star? Shut up and dance, everybody. Is my cock big enough? Is my brain small enough for you? You know, I think that a lot of this wanting to customize your own God and um, sort of create your own version of religion is a byproduct of a damaged or fractured ego. What do you think of that? Yeah, I don't see where you're going with this, but I, 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 I think I know where you're going, and yes, I think so. Yeah. Because um, I can remember the times that I backslid into Christianity and into um, belief, you know. Uh, and it was during those times, I think, when my ego was most vulnerable. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. You needed a support system, and there was, or seemed, there was a support system there. Yeah, and it, and of course, I, it, I didn't uh, go to a church or anything like that. Um, I just sort of came up with my... What happened was, is I read The Secret. I, I was going through some troubled times. I read The Secret, and then um, I put together that God is good. That's the, that's all God is, is God is good. I've never even heard of The Secret. <laughs> yeah, it's a very popular book. And um, so, yeah, for the I was running around telling everybody, there is a God, and God is good, and all this, and, mm -hmm. and people were really wondering what the hell was going on with me. Sure. <laughs> and then... Uh, then I read uh, Richard, some Richard Dawkins books and some Christopher Hitchens books. And back to reality. <laughs> then I called up Randy and I said, hey, Randy, long time no here. <laughs> uh -huh. So, um, yeah. Well, there's a thought. Yeah, I like it. I wonder what our listeners would think. I well, I would think they would probably find it true. I think. <laughs> look most, what, look most, at what. Most, what I, go ahead. I think I think a lot of people are in the the religious church system for support, support of other people in the group, support of the the thought that you have a, a daddy up in the sky that cares for you. I mean, it's it's just a, a warm fuzzy feeling. I think that's what most of them go for. Well, I know exactly what my listeners will think. Mm -hmm. A bunch of different stuff. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Well, I hope so. <laughs> All right. Integrity Radio. It's Kung Fu Sunday time. Hi, Z. Alan with Sentient Future here. Uh, just wanted to call in with respect to your campfire story. I completely disagree obviously with uh this man's breaking your fingers and his acts of adultery those are morally wrong that said i think despite your emphasizing that you were not drawing a conclusion between his acts and his following of the christian faith um you know i i think you need to know that it did come across at least for some people that you were i, I don't see the point of the story if it were not to relate those ideas um i i don't agree with it and I, I think it was, and I, I don't think this was purposeful on your part, but I think it did show a bit of intolerance or suggested that. 
and um, you know I and I just thought you should know it seemed a bit disrespectful. If you don't mean to correlate two irrelevant ideas, you should leave at least one out. Thanks, Z. Hey, Alan. This is Z. Um, well, the problem is, is when you're trying to explain your experiences, and then you're also having a repeated experience, then it would be an error for me to leave that experience out. Now, my response to that experience is the moral of the story, so to speak, which is this may be somewhat common, but still not prevalent. In other words, not all Christians behave this way. Now you can rightfully accuse me of not making that point clear enough, and I'm glad that you do point that out. Um, however, it would be very hard for me to leave this part of the story out, especially since that part of the story does repeat itself a lot. Not exclusively, again, not all Christians, right? Maybe you missed the section where I explained that whenever someone uses all or never or something like that, Oh, I'd have to go back to the section. Um, then it's bullshit, you know? No one is ever always, and no one is ever never or ever, you know? Those are extremes. But we must not be allowed to point to these extremes. Not in anyone's behavior, Christian or otherwise. People's emotions and their beliefs are fragile, but they're not sensitive. In fact, they tend to be very insensitive, and their fragility winds up turning the symbiosis into a fragility. I could even say that their fragilities are causing unnecessary sensitivities. Now, what's puzzling me is, what exactly is your argument? Because what I'm stating is that religious zealotry is usually accompanied with a lack of physical control. So are you really trying to say that this is not a somewhat common event? If you're going to use this sort of ideology, then you might as well say that most Christians are bad Christians because they're not following the commands of the Bible and the laws of God. And there are more good Muslims because they're following the commands of their book. Listen, the cognitive dissonance of spirituality, religion, belief, are just the snow on the tip of the iceberg of the, of the challenge that is understanding how to become human. So you disagree. Is this your opinion? So you disagree. Where is your proof? What are your points? Is it that an adult's feelings may have been hurt by the things that I said? So again, to make my point very clear, religious zealotry, in other words, when people are overly religious and constantly pushing their religious viewpoints, it is not the least bit uncommon for that to be coupled with a lack of physical and emotional control. What is your argument? Integrity Radio. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Christians and Muslims sometimes get upset over my videos saying that I am not being respectful towards their religion or their religious beliefs. This is called, as Dennett pointed out, playing the hurt feelings card. However, as Sam Harris has noted, the taboos that govern our discussions about religion need to come down. Ancient superstitions and 21st century technology mix about as well as drinking and driving, and the consequences for our civilization can be quite dire. But what rules can replace this old taboo against discussing religion in order that we can have a rational and yet respectful discussion of religion? 
Well, I would like to propose several rules that I follow myself. The first of them is that you are not your beliefs. You should not associate yourself too closely with any particular religion. You were not born a Christian or a Muslim. There is no such thing as a Christian or Muslim baby. You didn't come out of your mother's womb saying, Alu Akbar or Jesus Christ is Lord. These are beliefs that you acquired at a later time. What are beliefs? Beliefs are the information that you have received, whether it is accurate or flawed, combined with your life experiences that lead to certain interpretations of that information. Life experiences such as, for example, you were indoctrinated to believe a certain religion is true. Criticizing beliefs is not hate. You were not born a Christian or a Muslim, as we've mentioned, and you can become an ex-Christian or an ex-Muslim quite easily. At the recent Louisville Atheists and Freethinkers meeting, I asked for a show of hands of who among you is an ex-Christian, and nearly every hand went up. The important thing I'm trying to get across here is that I don't hate you. You are the mind that I am trying to set free. This leads me to rule number two. There is no shame in changing your beliefs. If you discover that the information on which you based your current beliefs turns out to be erroneous, the only responsible thing to do is to reevaluate them and to form a new set of beliefs based on the presumably more accurate information that you now have. But some people say they can't do that because their religious beliefs are sacred. This leads me to rule number three. There are no sacred beliefs. All beliefs must be subject to inspection, criticism, and yes, even ridicule. Because ridicule is a very effective tool for exposing absurdities. Now some people say that we shouldn't put much energy into this. After all, Christianity and Islam are harmless beliefs. Some have asked me why I spend so much time railing against Christianity if I don't believe in it myself. The problem with this line of thinking is that Christianity and Islam are not harmless beliefs for reasons that are involved more than just what we can go over in this short video. But basically, Christianity has caused us to fall far behind where our potential is. This graph here on NoBeliefs.com vividly illustrates this, how we are a thousand years behind the technology that we might otherwise have had it not been for Christianity. And the only reason we were able to climb our way out of the Dark Age is because the stranglehold of Christianity was finally broken. Islamo-Christianity also carries consequences today, ranging from scientific progress to sociological issues, and if we're not careful, may have dire consequences in the future. It may very well lead to the extinction of the entire human race. So the only responsible thing to do when we're exposed to information that we didn't know before is to reevaluate our beliefs, but some people will refuse to do this. Why? The answer, very simply, is fear. They don't want to face unpleasant facts. But avoiding unpleasant reality will not lead to happiness, because somewhere in your subconscious brain, you will be aware of the unpleasant reality. Neurosis is the substitute for legitimate suffering, as Freud once observed. So what is it religious people are afraid of? Life and death. Both of them carry uncertainty. We don't know what will happen to us tomorrow, and we don't know what will happen to us when we die. Religion tries to comfort people, saying that there is a friendly sky god watching over them who will make sure everything turns out okay in their life, and will carry them off to a paradise where they can be with their loved ones when death does come. This leads me to rule number five. Face reality as it is, not as you wish it were. This is an observation of Jack Welch, former CEO of General Electric, and it's a very good rule for life itself. But some people say that they can't cope. They really need the comfort that Islam or Christianity provides them. How can you cope with a naturalistic worldview? Well, the answer comes from Dale Carnegie's book, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. Ask yourself two simple questions. One, what's the worst thing that can happen? Very often, the unknown looms larger in our mind than even the worst calamity that we can realistically imagine. After all, the greatest fear is fear of the unknown. And once we face this possibility, ask ourselves, can we deal with it? And the answer is yes. The human spirit is truly indomitable, and we really can cope with whatever life throws at us. Take death, for example. What is the worst case scenario? Well, we can pretty well dispense with hell, and anyone who thinks otherwise, I would invite you to read chapter 13 of my book. I provide all the reasons why hell isn't a realistic possibility. The worst thing that can possibly happen, at least as I see it, 
is that we cease to exist. Now, I'm not saying that this is the reality, because again, we don't know what happens to us when we die. But even if that is the case, could we cope with it? After all, we're no worse off than when we got started, if it is true. And we certainly won't be aware of it. It won't be painful. We won't be aware of the passage of time. So that makes the reality that we're experiencing right now all the more precious. So why is it that Islamo-Christians get so upset over non-belief? Why is it that they play the hurt feelings card in discussions over religion? Or they claim persecution whenever they don't get their way in politics? Sometimes just being an openly non-believing person is enough to get a look of malice or disdain, or in some cases, harassment or death threats. Could it be about their own insecurity? This leads me to rule number six. If you really believe something, you won't get upset discussing it. After all, if I were to walk up to you and say that the sun revolves around the earth or that the earth is flat, you wouldn't get upset with me and say, how dare you offend my beliefs in astronomy. You would simply present the evidence as to why you believe that your view is right and mine is wrong, and you could have a rational discussion about it. Or perhaps you just roll your eyes and say whatever and walk away. Either way, you wouldn't take it personally, and you wouldn't get upset. Islamo-Christians are in the habit of surrounding themselves with fellow believers to provide themselves an artificial sense of validation, performing rituals and reciting mantras to convince themselves that what they believe is actually true. If they really believed it, though, they wouldn't need to do these things, and they wouldn't get upset when presented with someone's non-belief. This leads me to rule number seven, Playing the hurt feelings card is an admission that you don't really believe, and on some level, you're afraid of reality. I hope that this discussion has helped you to realize maybe why it is that you get so angry whenever I am disrespectful towards your religious beliefs. And maybe just realizing this will put you on the path to intellectual freedom and breaking the shackles of faith. Either way, May God's gift of reason light our way.
Hello to you. 
Buddy and Stacy riding the shockwave with Junior Walker's top tune, Shotgun. Well, the hour is late, and of course, things and things happen. New Shimmer is a floor wax. No, New Shimmer is a dessert topping. It's a floor wax. It's a dessert topping. It's a floor wax, I'm telling you. It's a dessert topping, you cow! Hey, 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 calm down, you two. New Shimmer's a floor wax and a dessert topping. some on your mop and some on your butterscotch pudding. Mmm, tastes terrific. And just look at that shine. But will it last? Hey, outlasts every other leading floor wax two to one. It's durable and it's scuff resistant. And it's delicious. <laughs> sure is. Perks up anything from an ice cream sundae to a pumpkin pie. Made from an exclusive non-yellowing formula. I haven't even touched my pudding and I'm ready for more. But what about black heel marks? Dirt, grime, even black heel marks. Wipe clean with a damp cloth. Oh, sorry, honey. I'll clean that up. Oh, no problem, sweetheart. Not with new shimmer. <laughs> New Shimmer, for the greatest shine you ever tasted. Hey Z, thanks for your response. I cannot comment on religious evangelists' degree of self-control. Not only do I not have any data, I don't think adequate data could exist since it would require understanding individuals' intent, an internal decision that can't be measured. I personally have no reason to believe that the degree of self-control of that particular group would statistically significantly differ from that of any other group. You seem comfortable forming that as your opinion, though, based on personal observation. And while you may not aim to be conclusive, I don't think sharing that opinion helps your cause. The only point I was trying to make was that your story seemed to expose a personal bias, or possibly prejudice. If that's how you feel and you meant to leave that impression, so be it. If it is not your opinion or did not mean to, then leaving out the fact this man was Christian would have more convincingly ruled out a bias or prejudice than saying after the fact you did not mean to correlate them. Hi, Sentient. This is Z. I don't think you are actually clarifying. You were just simply repeating what you had stated before and I'm beginning to wonder if you are actually trying to understand let me explain why the segment called campfire story had quite a few morals to it like the assumptions of everyone in the room compared to what the reality was I had falsely thought everyone in the room was Christian. But yet, I chose to give a free martial arts demonstration. You may have missed that point. He then spent two entire days and nights proselytizing to us all. The first night, everyone was being nice. By the second night, I can tell that people were getting off-put. Yet, I welcomed everyone, including the guy that was the Christian, with open arms. And then, after drilling into all of our ears how he was such a good person because of his Christianity, and then for him to demonstrate the complete opposite. And then, instead of me continuing to fight him and really injure him or knock him out or put him to sleep or humiliate him, I showed compassion. I showed what we call in Hawaii, aloha. And I let him walk away unscathed. Now, if you can't see how this story correlates to many other stories of its sort in regards to religious zealots, I keep saying that wrong, zealots, there it is, 
then I'm sorry to say that you are following an agenda and you are not trying to understand anything of what I'm saying. I mean, from that whole story, why would you then carry and focus on a non-implication, the implication that because I had this experience with one Christian man that all Christians are bad? That would be your convolution of my story. I feel a lot of what you're saying is intellectually disingenuous. I also feel as if you're trying to pool emotions, maybe other people's and your own emotions, on again what I feel is a non-topic. And if I'm to listen to you and hear you correctly, then what perhaps only if I meet a Christian that does good things should I then mention that they are Christians. This is nonsense. You have not given proof of your accusations. And I don't think my story would offend any Christian unless it applied to them. I have sparred and grappled with literally thousands of Christians. But those that proselytize and claim self-righteousness over others, we've all seen those, we've all experienced those. You're not being honest. Just as we've all experienced non-religious or non-spiritual people to be dishonest and emotionally or physically out of control the difference is, is they wouldn't have been talking for two days and two nights about being a Christian and being better than everyone else. How are you not seeing that? What I would like to hear from you is why would you or why do you think someone that would be Christian would be offended by that story? I'm not offended about stories of evil secularists. Integrity Radio. Hey, it just occurred to me, if, uh, if you heard my previous segment um, in response to Sentient, um, if you are uh, of spiritual, religious, or even Christian, and you found the campfire story, um, to be offensive, could you perhaps chime in and specifically uh, detail what specifically was um, offensive? Now, I don't mind that a story would be found offensive by you know specific certain types of people. But at the same time, I will take any sort of criticism that will make me a more efficient um, storyteller. In other words, I am open to criticism. I just need to know specifically um, how a story of that nature could have been told otherwise. All right, Sentient and everybody else uh, following this story, uh, thank you very much. Thank you for listening. Your views and your ideas and your perspectives are very intriguing. And I'm really honored that you're sharing your time with me. Aloha. Integrity Radio.
proud to admit that I am the one that uh, turned Ronnie on to Anchor. And I knew that she would really be invaluable to many people. Honey, thank you so much. And thank all of you for your kind input an exchange of ideas and feelings. Bravo.
All right, let's get back to the subject of the writer. What is the, 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 the original field of the writer? What uh, mechanisms should he consider, work on? Uh, the word should should never arise. Yeah. There is no such concept as should with regard to art or anything unless you specify in other words, if you're trying to build a bridge, then you can say we should do this and we should do that with respect to getting a bridge built. But it doesn't float in a vacuum. I, my uh, feeling about art is that one very important aspect of art is that it makes people aware of what they know and don't know that they know. Now, this applies not only to all, uh, all uh, creative thinking. For example, people on the seacoast in the Middle Ages, they knew the earth was round. They believed the earth was flat because the church said so. Galileo says, <coughs> tells them the earth is round and nearly was burned at the stake for saying so. <coughs> Cezanne uh, shows people uh, what objects look at seen from a certain angle and in a certain light. And literally, people just thought he'd thrown paint on canvas. And uh, they attacked his, um, his canvases with umbrellas when they were first exhibited. Well, now no child would have any difficulty in seeing a Cezanne. That is, once the breakthrough is made, uh, there is a permanent expansion of awareness. But uh, there's always uh, a reaction of rage, of outrage, at the first breakthrough. Mm. And, uh, for example, Joyce then made people aware of their, their stream of consciousness, at least on one level, on a verbal level. And he was at first accused of being unintelligible. I don't think many people now would have any difficulty with Ulysses. <clears throat> no. So the artist then uh, expands awareness. And once the, uh, once the breakthrough is made, this becomes part of the, of the general awareness. You're listening to Integrity Radio. Learn self-correction at www.cfuzi.com. Listen to original music at soundcloud.com slash music for dogs. You can also follow Sifu underscore Z on Twitter. That's twitter.com slash sifu underscore z. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more here on Integrity Radio.